Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. Are you a small business owner who thinks they pay too much in taxes? We can help. Give us a call or book a meeting by clicking the link in the show notes to book a free financial consultation so you can have peace of mind about your financial future. We're also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. If you're a business or HR leader and you're needing a competitive employee benefits package to help you attract and retain that top talent, we can help. Check us out to build a customized benefit package that fits your business and budget. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here on Podcast Friday, here with my amazing co-host, Al McDonald. Al, how's your week going? Great, Robin, and always a pleasure to be here, but looking forward to our guest today. Unfortunately, I didn't have the opportunity to meet this person beforehand, which normally we do. So I've just met her today and sounds like a really exciting episode. So I'm looking forward to our conversation. As am I, as am I. Well, joining us today is Cindy Diogo. She is a talent leader and mentor, a founder and a maker of the best lasagna. (laughs) We're going to get back to that important point in a minute. That's what I was excited about. <laughs> Cindy is the founder of Console, whose mission is to connect family caregivers to the resources and support they need to prevent burnout. Console is a digital healthcare platform that supports family caregivers by providing them with resources and personalized community and social support. Welcome to the podcast, Cindy. Thank you for having me. Good morning. I'm excited to chat. Good morning. Okay, so I know we're going to talk about Console, mm-hmm. but really important to get out of the way first. Tell us about this lasagna. All right. So everybody asks about the secret. So unfortunately, I'd have to kill you. I'm kidding. So I'm Portuguese (laughs) in background. And so there's two things. We are meat lovers. So unfortunately, this is not for the vegans. But of course, you want to add some spiced paprika. And also, you want to add some chorizo while you're browning your meat. Oh, now we're talking. Really nice, smoky Mm. flavor and just an extra kick. And then a layer, of course, of ricotta to just, you know, completely clog your arteries. But (laughs) it's absolutely delicious. Well, the three partners were just in Portugal for our partners meeting this year. So we can relate with all the, sorry, vegans, this might not be the place for you. Although, you know what? I did come across a place, the famous Pastel de de Nata, where it was a vegan version. And I tried it. And it's just not the same. Yeah, Uh, I'm sorry. It's just not the same. It's so delicious. Well, that sounds with chorizo. That sounds amazing. And it's funny that you have that on your profile, because that's one of the reasons I reached out to you, because... I think you had liked one of our episodes that we had released on LinkedIn and I clicked on it and I thought, okay, this is a unique person putting that on there. I I think I might like this person, right? (laughs) And then we set up the call and I got to tell you, Cindy, to this day, one of my, I call these chemistry calls when we first meet someone, right? And one of the most moving experiences of any of those calls that I've done, because I think you have such a, a relatable story that people can relate to. And it was it was one of those rare times where I hop on one of these chemistry calls and I actually had to hold back tears as we were chatting. And I, I said to Al, I said, it's unfortunate you missed that one. You didn't get to meet Cindy in advance because they felt such a genuine connection to you. Mm-hmm. 
And I was so happy that you agreed to come on the podcast. So thanks so much for being here. And I look forward to this. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's why I always like to add that little moniker of a little levity in life, because of course, a lot of the story and the reason that we started Console is is coming from a really tragic and very sad, but it was lovely having that conversation with you. And really, I think a lot of these stories really connect people. And you and I had to, an instant connection, I think, very similar backgrounds too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a great place to start. Why don't you tell us about your business and how did you end up founding Console? Yeah, absolutely. And so the backstory to Console started just a couple of years ago. So when you and I had talked, my father was absolutely my superhero. We had such a wonderful connection. He was always my cheerleader and just my person. And so when uh, a couple of years back, we found out that he had terminal cancer, you get thrust into caregiving. And I think there's this quote out there that says, you know, you either have always been a caregiver or you're kind of thrown into it. So he was diagnosed with terminal cancer and given a very short window, unfortunately. So it's very heavy. But the wonderful thing about that in providing care is that I did get that opportunity to really tell him how much he meant to us and spend that time with him, which is, you know, very often, sometimes people pass away very quickly and you don't get those instances. So fast forward, my sister-in-law, who is my co-founder, unfortunately, during the pandemic, Six months into them being married, her husband was diagnosed with terminal colon cancer at 35. So it was just exasperated by the fact that it was the pandemic. And, you know, in these experiences, everybody wants to support and provide care to that primary caregiver and to the person who's sick. But we really couldn't. And so, you know, a couple months after that, and once we started the grieving process again, we had this conversation of there has to be something more that we can do to provide support for that caregiver at home. Thinking about the aging population too, and thinking about the fact that our current healthcare system is so very inundated, how do we support the caregiver who's providing that care? How does a family and friends come together and rally? A lot of the times we heard, hey, I want to help. I just don't know how or what you need. And so our funny thing is that you'd end up with like, five lasagnas because people are just like, I can feed you. So that's how Console really the vision of creating this platform was born, preventing the burnout of caregivers, connecting your family and friends in one centralized place to provide care and support. But really it was started in the legacy and the memory of these two men who meant the world to a lot of people. So that's the origin story of Console and, and this digital platform that is really there to support while you're taking care of someone, providing them respite services, providing resources, connecting your family and friends, but mostly just making sure that that primary caregiver is focused on their wellness and not burning out. You know, you're doing it to me again, and I'm <laughs> kind of biting my cheek as I start talking to you because, you know, when you talk about your dad being your cheerleader, I think about my own dad. And again, I think it's because we can relate, we connected instantly, you know, and then losing my brother. And now, you know, my mom going through chemo. And it's one of those things where we know the doctors had said there is no cure, right? Like this is eventually going to take your mom. So, and I look at my sister, my mom's up North in Barrie and my sister's up there. And I look at 
my sister doing everything for my mom. And of course I'm down here in Oakville and I'm not up there all the time. And I do, I worry about my sister too, because she's doing everything she's, and I can tell she gets frustrated and she's exhausted and she's trying to manage work and looking after mom and knowing mom's not going to be here realistically that much longer. It's so hard on the family. And you said it exactly right. There are times, Cindy, where I want to support my mom and I want to support my sister. And sometimes I don't know what that means and what that looks like. Right. So I'm very happy you're doing this because again, I think there's a lot of people out there who would be in our boat saying, I want to do more, but I don't even know where to start. Yeah. And the point to make there and and the reason I think this works so well with my background in talent acquisition and spending two decades there is I've always been an advocate for diversity and inclusion and for women and for women's careers. And so it's really interesting that you're saying that because primarily this does impact women. And what I fear for is their careers as well. So in particularly in a woman's life, there's certain instances and there's a sandwich generation. And so those are the ones that are particularly taking care of children and now going to be taking care of their elderly parents. And so from an employer perspective, I worry about if we're not talking about what are those solutions that women's careers really are going to take a dive and and they're going to have to be leaving and making decisions about leaving their places of employment because there's just no support there. So it is something that we really want to think of ways to address that. And what you mentioned there too is we're focused on distinct caregivers. So we have some relationships out in the East Coast where we know that there's a dense population of aging. Everybody went out there to retire because it's so beautiful, but now they're not close to their family members. So how do we address that? And how do we get people who are distanced from their loved ones to provide some type of tangible support? Yeah. So it's a very interesting challenge. I have so many questions with what you've been saying already, but I'll start with one. You talked a little bit about some of that support that isn't there. Like, what does that look like for some of these people who, number one, don't know what to do, and number two, are being the caregivers, are giving that help and need that support? What does that look like, especially, you know, from, and you just mentioned it, from an employer standpoint? Yeah, absolutely. So when we've been having conversations with caregivers and we're part of an organization called uh, the Caregiver Coalition to make sure that we're really listening on to what are the main pain points. And so there's really three challenges that we were hearing that kind of are in really three categories. One of them is resources and learning. There's a lot of information out there. It's very challenging to find the exact information, the resources, and even the learning. So as I mentioned, there's instances where we're thrown into caregiving at home. We don't know how to do that. So in Stephanie's instance, because of the pandemic, she was actually learning how to change Jordan's stints and clean his bags. And she just didn't know how to do that. She got one session in the hospital. So that's one thing that we're hearing. And so one of the ways that we're kind of mitigating that is the tool actually will go through a journey with you and asking, what type of caregiver are you? Who are you providing care? to and at what stage. And then the resources and what we call mini micro learning really caters itself and bespokes itself so that again, it's taking the burden of doing all of that research off of the caregiver. The other thing that we're hearing constantly and Robin equated to it with the sister is people want to help and they just don't know how. And so we call it the shop 
And in the shop, we have tailored organizations and tangible services that family members can purchase for the caregiver. Respite services. So that's things like, hey, I'm going to send a cleaning person to the home because that often gets left aside and is very stressful. I'm going to send some groceries to your home. Or even the very simple, I'm going to take some of the time off of you, I'm going to your home so you can go and take some respite yourself. So it's very tangible support that's really centralized. And then I think the most important thing that we're doing is we're checking in on the wellness of the caregiver. So there's these very short questions that we ask based on these nine wellness criteria. And then based on how they're answering that, again, the system will tailor itself. So very tangible things like, have you taken a walk today? Or very larger things of, have you thought about your advanced care directives? Or have you prepared a will? And then it tailors itself and connects to resources. This is hugely important at an employer level. One of the things that I hope to advocate for, having run Total Rewards at some point in my career as well in HR, I would love to see these type of benefits and these conversations happening at an employer level. So the same way that at one point we decided, hey, we do need maternal and paternal leaves and to care for those people who are leaving and having children. I think this is the next cycle that we really do have to pay attention to what are the types of benefits? What are the things that we can incorporate at an employer level, education, tools, benefits to support our caregivers so that they're not leaving the workplace? I think the big stat, I mean, of course, when we're out there talking about console is I think 50% of caregivers are starting to leave their employment in whatever capacity. And I think the latest stat, it's causing the economy 1.3 billion in lost productivity. So without figuring out those waves of supporting caregivers, this is only going to get worse. There's already a talent shortage. I know that because I've been a recruiter for 20 years. It's tough to find people. It's tough to retain them. So I think having these conversations at this point is critical and important. Do you want to talk a little bit about, because you've already mentioned it, you do have a background in talent acquisition and rewards. Do you want to talk a little bit about your career and just where all this maybe started? Yeah, absolutely. So it's funny, talent acquisition is one of those things where you, I went to university and I thought I was going to be in forensics. And so the very first year of university, they probably figure this out. They're like, we're going to throw you into the really creepy stuff and you either can stomach it or you can't. And so the very first year of forensics, of course, you're seeing things like cadavers. You're seeing, you know, what happens in accidents. And unfortunately, I just couldn't stomach it. So I went into English and sociology. And then you come out of university with an English degree and you read Chaucer for four years. And you're like, well, that's not really tangible. So I don't know what kind of job I can do when I've had, you know, very classical training in English lit. And so I got a degree in HR management at Sheridan. And I really just fell in love with the particular module about talent acquisition. And I think it really comes down to your personality. I describe myself as a little bit of an introverted extrovert. And so the extroverted component loves chatting and loves meeting people. But most importantly, I think I love people's stories and you get to do that in talent acquisition. So I started off where most recruiters do in a big 
recruitment agency and have had this really wonderful career of spending almost two decades in helping people find jobs and careers. And I think that that is the most rewarding, lovely thing when I've had instances where people, and I'm going to cry now, have told me that they were you know, two weeks out of not being able to pay bills and mortgages and you've helped them find a job. And I think one of the most rewarding things in having spent years in startups and enterprises is really coming down to, I mean, I'm not curing cancer, but there's instances where you really are changing people's lives. I've seen the recruiters that have worked for me grow they're like my children. I've seen them grow into wonderful careers and go on to become managers. I've seen people who continue to be friends to this day that I've hired in one place and keep contact. But talent acquisition is highly rewarding. There's a grind. It's, <laughs> it's very busy and fast paced, especially in tech and especially in the, the nuttiness of recruiting and tech in the last year. But yeah, I really just started off there and fell in love with supporting and helping. And I think that's kind of how it moved into console as well. I want to go in a bit of a different direction. And I'm hoping I'm not speaking out of turn, Al. And if I am, we can edit this out. But Al, you had shared with me the other day that was something really meaningful. And Al, if you were open to it, I would love for you to share. Sure. Well, and you aren't speaking out of turn because I thought of it too, when Cindy, when you were talking about the impact you'd had on people's lives and, you know, you said that there were people two weeks away from, you know, not being able to meet the mortgage payment and because of what you did, it made a difference. So yeah, I used to, in a different life, a previous life. So I have young children or I don't, they're not anymore. They're grown up. But when they were young, I used to coach and I coached my daughter's hockey team and they were very young at the time. And I did spend an inordinate amount of time teaching kids how to skate. And anyway, fast forward, I got a phone call from a buddy of mine and he was actually my assistant coach. His daughter played on our team. She's one year older than my daughter. And she's now playing hockey down in the States on a scholarship. And first year, I don't think she got into the lineup a whole lot, which is pretty normal for, you know, first year. But now in her second year, she is. Apparently, she's getting in as regular. So they had gone down this previous weekend to see her. And apparently, in speaking with her, she had said something to the effect of, you know what the coaches really love is my skating. And uh, then he shared with me that she said, and you know who I have to thank for that is, you know, my coach way back, novice Al McDonald. And yeah, that was pretty impactful. And it was just that moment where you kind of go, yeah, that was, you know, kind of made it all worthwhile. So yes, when you said, yeah, there've been people who a couple of weeks away from not being able to make their mortgage payment. And I could see that that was an emotional impactful. And I, I kind of, I thought of that story as well. So yes, please share if you are able, or if you want to, maybe some other things that were impactful from what you've been doing. Yeah, absolutely. And what a beautiful story. I just, I think that's so lovely. I think about my little one now too, and his current teacher, who's just so kind and, and he's five. So he's all, you know, little boy, all about fart jokes. And, <laughs> but I just think teachers just so impactful. I have teachers in the past as well. I think the thing that for me, that's been just other than talent acquisition is this journey of discovery and the stories and the conversations that we've been hearing every time we're advocating for what we're trying to do with console. And so it's both heartbreaking and encouraging when we hear everyone has had some form of caregiver story. And it's also so uplifting when we hear 
uh, yes, this is exactly what I needed. The amount of time. So one particular woman that we continue to, she's like, yes, whatever I can do to help has been a caregiver five times in her life. Her grandmother, her two parents, then her aunt and a friend. And all, unfortunately, have had stories where they didn't make it out of their you know, cancer or dementia. And the amount of times that she said, I felt really alone and I needed the support and I just naturally have always provided care, but I would have loved something like this. You know, to be able to just have even a little bit of time to myself or other people supporting or even just being able to check in on me. But we also talked about this, Robin, creating legacy and, you know, being able to share legacy of these people that are so very important to us and hearing that and being able to tangibly collect those stories as well, I think is something that really motivates myself and my co-founder to keep going because it is something that people do need. We've been hearing it a lot, but I think being able to collect the legacy of all of these really important people that have made such an impact in our life is worthwhile. One of the stories I think I shared with Cindy, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. And Al's heard me tell this story. You know, one of the things where it's really important to me in building our firm is to continue that legacy that my dad started. Mom and dad moved to Canada. You know, the typical immigrant story with nothing, right? Found his way into insurance. And then he had this tiny little block of business when I took over. And someone asked me recently, they said, oh, you know, who would be your dream podcast guest, right? Like, and they're thinking I'm going to answer some celebrity. And it'd be my dad if I could talk to my dad again. And I would love to show him what we've built and, and we've continued. And I'm very proud and, and I'll give Al very much credit for this is the guiding principles that we came up with. You can see it in everyone coming on board and everyone lives it and believes it. And we had a conversation with a, a prospective client yesterday. And one of the things we outlined very early on in the conversation was, these are our values. We'd love to hear more about yours because if we align not only are we going to enjoy working together, but we're going to do much better work together for line. And if we're not, that's okay, right? But one of the things that I really enjoy, and, and, and again, it's always in my mind about creating legacy is when dad passed away, because he was really well known in the insurance industry, I shared it on LinkedIn, just said, hey, to his friends, you know, just everybody knows. And I got so many messages back and there was a theme. And the theme was, your dad always made us feel a certain way. And I've never forgotten that. And our guiding principles, there's six of them. And the number six is the wow experience. And I talked about the team. I said, whether it's an email, a phone call, I want every experience to be that wow experience. People think, wow, I was just asking, inquiring about a claim. And here's how they answered me. Because I want people to feel a certain way. And I'm hoping that we're doing the right things that one day when I'm gone, people will say that about us, our firm, and who we are as well. So I definitely love that you touched on legacy there as well. I think that's so beautiful. Very similar stories to my dad as well. When he passed and he was having his wake, I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but it felt like they had to shut down the town. There were so many people. What breaks my heart is my father never got to meet Miles, my son, but he was such a kid guy. 
Like he loved children. He was the guy who was literally rolling around on the floor with the kids, like letting them jump on him. And one of his stories was one of his nephews was just so heartbroken and gutted because his stories of my dad was your dad was always funny and playing and willing to kick the ball around with me. And yeah, I just, it's heartbreaking when these very big personalities pass, but it's very touching to your heart to see what an impact they made. Even if, you know, they're not big celebrities or anything, it's just... I think that's one of the things that we wanted to do. And, and when Jordan was passing, so Stephanie's husband, one of the things that triggered in us as well is Jordan was afraid of being forgotten, 35, which is heartbreaking. And so he had written, he had gotten to the ability to write 40 pages to document his life because he was afraid of being forgotten. And so that's one of the things that I want everybody to know before they pass how much they've meant to other people. And I think legacy is just so important, even just having those conversations, getting your family together while you're still around to tell them, hey, that meant a lot to me. I mean, one of the things that I share about my dad, which is so small on Sundays, I love movies. And I don't know if you remember Fox Sunday movies, but my dad is the... I swear he invented the charcuterie, but we called it the poor man's charcuterie because, of course, we didn't have very expensive meats and wonderful cheeses. He'd literally just cut up craft singles <laughs> in a really nice way and put some, like, bean, like, um, they're lo lupini beans, so Portuguese. I love lupini beans, oh, yes. Oh, my God, he put lupini yep. beans on there. And then again, some chorizo and we'd have our like poor man charcuterie and watch like a Kung Fu movie or something cowboy related. And I got to tell him, I got to tell him while he was passing that I will, I do that with my son. He loves movies now too, just because it's those little moments that solidify. So I don't know. I think this is just what we want to do. We want people who we love to know that they meant and we want to share those stories with them too. I would love, if you're okay, to hear more about your dad. Yeah. <laughs> the more that you would like to share, because he sounds like an amazing person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the same story that we all have. They were immigrants. So my dad came here from Portugal, went to the small little town. So we grew up in Bradford, which is not so small anymore. It's a pretty big little town. Mm -hmm. But, you know, growing up, my dad, and it's funny, you talk about the ethos of your organization and your mission. And part of ours is both empathy and levity. And so we want, because these are such big, heavy topics, we also want a bit of levity in it. And so the reason for that is because my dad, I happen to think he was pretty darn hilarious. Like he was the joker. He was the guy making all the jokes in the family. You know, he'd wrestle the kids and he was just always such a big personality. I mean, a lot of our personalities solidified in the way that our parents are. And he was such a big personality, but so calm and reserved and so it's that kind of introverted extrovert <laughs> that I was talking about that's where I got it he'd be so hilarious but so calm and so very reserved and I know that one of the questions that we had been talking about and maybe I'm jumping over it but I think there was a quote of planting seeds and talking about legacy and this, I know that the theme here has been me constantly wanting to fight back tears. But when I was little, my dad decided that it would be a great idea to plant this beautiful, we don't live there anymore, but this beautiful blue spruce. So we got it when probably I was two or so. 
because he wanted to watch it grow and plant something that would always be there as a symbol of me and growing. And so this is this person that just was so quiet and so reserved, but so deep at the same time. And so I think about that quote and literally planting a legacy in something that will be there. He just, I don't know. He's just a wonderful human being. That's a fantastic. And you're right. That is one of the quotes that I usually talk about. And you're the first person to say that literally someone did plant a tree in whose shade they maybe aren't going to be sitting, but maybe you did, or maybe your kids will. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty amazing. And I'm glad you covered that because I know that's Al's signature question on the podcast. I just want to go back to you on two things or one thing and give you two examples because I think it's really important. You know, we get caught up in life and we're all so busy and we don't tell people enough how much they mean to us. Boy, you're doing such a good job of making me cry today. <laughs> I had said to Al recently, and Al, Al's an engineering background and engineers will understand. There's not as much outwardly, you know, emotion there sometimes. Al certainly showed a lot more emotion in recent years than I did when I first met him. But one of the things I had said to Al was, I said, there will come a day where we're not doing this anymore. We're not co-hosts on a podcast and we're 166 episodes in. And I have a conversation like with this, you know, the three of us, I really enjoy it. And I said to Al recently, I said, you don't have to answer. You don't have to respond, but I wanted to let you know, I'm going to miss this one day because I really, really enjoy it. And that was one example. And I've probably talked about this on the podcast before, but I wanted to share it with you, Cindy, because I think it's really important. And it may have been from one of our conversations. I think it was a, a number of factors. When my mom's cancer had come back, it was on the weekend where my niece, her granddaughter had announced she's going to be married next summer. And immediately in my head, I thought, what if grandma doesn't make it to that wedding? And, you know, my niece and my mother are so close and there's two other grandchildren, there's two boys, but she's just so close with my grandmother and Megan. And, you know, we have this platform now where we're recording here today. And I've always had this thing in the head. It was old Tony Robbins saying it's actually where success leaves clues came from. That was his quote, but he had another one that said, if a life is worth living, it's worth recording. So I call up my sister and I said, do me a favor put mom in front of the computer. I'm going to hit record. She won't know what's going on. And the whole idea, I had one objective in that call, but I didn't want mom to know exactly what the objective was. And I took her back to said, tell me about when you're a little girl in England. And it's amazing. And I recommend this to everyone. You don't have to use a platform like this. Just have a conversation and actually record it. And I learned things about my mom that I didn't know. I didn't know she didn't have much of a childhood because it wasn't even an option, right? So I learned all these things along the way. And that wasn't my objective. My objective was to get to the point where you met dad, you had two kids in England, you moved to Canada. What was that like? Then I arrived. Again, this wasn't the point. I'm glad I have that family history recorded now, but that wasn't the point. And then I get her talking about each of the grandkids and she, you know, struggle through this one. She, uh, she actually says in the recording about Megan being her best friend. And I, I was so glad to capture that moment because I thought there will come a day when grandma's not around anymore that I will share that back to them. You know, this recording, they're going to have it forever, which is something, you know, I don't have for my dad. I don't have for my brother. And I thought this is something that I can actually give them 
through this because we, you know, we know how to use this technology and anybody can use this technology. But I thought when you said that about telling people, I think it's really important. And I wanted, you know, especially if grandma's on a round one day, I wanted the grandkids to know what each of you know them meant to each other. And then the final thing I'll say is I write a letter to my wife. She doesn't know it. If she hears this episode. She's going to know it. Look in the life of turn trial. That's where they are. They're all sealed. But I write her a letter every single year. Pops up in my CRM as a reminder. And I write it every year. And I just tell her where we're at in our life. So that one day, Cindy, you're doing it to me all day today. One day she'll read those and see where we were at each part of our journey along the way. Right? So I love that sentiment. I think it's a great reminder for us all. And Al and I were talking recently about practicing gratitude. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to leave this episode today with so much gratitude that you liked one of our episodes. And then I looked on your profile because to me, this has been a wonderful connection. And I'm just so grateful that we've been able to have this conversation and connect and, and become friends. Absolutely. I love the word serendipity because I do believe that there is such serendipity and little things that lead people to each other. And yeah, just such a random thing that you popped up on my LinkedIn feed. And I'm like, oh, let me listen. And then we connected. And now absolutely such similar stories and such, I don't know, I just feel very connected to you too. Cry together, you're friends. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, Al, any closing thoughts on your end? Well, and we can edit this as we see fit. Would you like to answer the question or we've gone pretty deep with your dad and your life, but I'm happy to ask the question about planting trees if you would like to answer it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah. yeah, and All I right. think this one is very simple for me. I talked a lot about legacy and supporting caregivers and being able to make sure that they're well. And it's not often that the caregiver is focused on because a lot of the times it really is about how's dad doing? What can we do for him? You know, how's mom doing? So my legacy, I think, and where I'd like, you know, my son to talk about me when I've passed is first, the emotion of it. I don't need to do big things in life. I would like to. I think at the end of the day, I would love this platform to reach a lot of people and to help a lot of people. But I think really what comes down to, I think about my eulogy and I I really just want people to say very similar to you know the sentiment she made me feel like I mattered and, and I was important and she was warm I hope funny <laughs> I like to make some jokes so I hope people along the way remember some funny things that I said but I think it really comes down to what the legacy that I want to hopefully have is just how I made people feel and, and how important I made them feel and then everything I think is just gravy past that or chorizo lasagna <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And I think it's safe to say that you've made an impact on both of us, even just with this short conversation. So thank you very much for that. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate having the opportunity to spend time with both of you. What a great way to start a day on this Friday. <laughs> and again, so much gratitude. Well, that does it for today's episode. I think you can tell we really enjoyed this conversation. As always, I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. Success leaves clues, my friends. We'll see you next time.